Red Kite Prayer is hosting its first ever event October 12th through 14th, 2018, the Red Kite Rendezvous. The two and a half day event will feature bikes from some of the industry's top frame builders, two gravel rides, some of the world's finest craft beers, which are brewed locally, plus enough food to make the pedaling fun. For more information or to register, go to redkiteprayer.com backslash store. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits into our lives. So how goes it, Celine? It is going pretty well. How are you, Patrick? Yeah. I'm good. I'm a little busy. Uh, I've got a bunch of different projects on my plate right now, and uh, somehow I'm still managing in the afternoons uh, to give myself permission to ride, and that feels really healthy. Good for you. And so I figure as long as I'm getting out for rides most every day, that's that's kind of my new barometer for mental health. That's good. Uh, I think that's a good one. Yeah. So what you got this week? Well, I, I have a I have a couple of things. I, I wanted to just mention the Alpine Grand Fondo that I was at last uh-huh. weekend because I was yeah. it was amazing. Um, I had never done this was Jeremiah Bishop's ride in mm-hmm. Harrisonburg, and uh, he puts on this Alpine Loop Grand Fondo. I guess it's been going on almost ten years, and it's legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of sometimes I don't know if. I'm a little guilty of this. Like I have a, I, we've mentioned this. I have a memory of a goldfish. Things are never going to be quite as hard as I think they're going to be. Um, but I, and I've been trying to take this nice, like loose, relaxed approach to events now, and mm-hmm. it's I, it's a little hit or miss for me. I got to say. So like this, I went down to this, and I'm like, I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to just go down and ride this amazing course and let the day, whatever. It's 110 miles, 10,000 feet of climbing. You know, it's it's going to be a day, but just whatever. Anyway, so it's not time start to finish. It's just segment timing. So mm-hmm. what, I, what I should have done is at least looked at the segments just just to know, like, how long they might be. Because I'd get at the start where there'd be, like, a flag, like, KOM starts here, and I didn't know if the climb was one mile, five miles, fifty feet. Like I had no, like none. So I would just, I would just halfway through the first one, I'm like, you're the biggest idiot on the planet. I'm just like, you know, just trying to like look at my Wahoo to see where the summit might be, and I could, it just was off the screen. So I just was right. like, yeah, um, just like okay, we'll just you know breathe and pedal, but it it. The reason, and, and you'll appreciate this, so I just, like, I settled into it. I'm just like, it is what it is what it is. And I got to the end, and I thought, ah, you know, whatever. 
And I missed third place overall within a minute. Like, had I even known, I know, right? Like, it's like, you're an you're such an idiot. I did win my age group. I brought home a lovely polka dot jersey. Very proud of that. But I just, it's, it, it, this is, anyway, I don't know what the lesson is there. I'm, I'm still learning. And maybe, maybe that's the lesson. That's not could actually you, my, go ahead. Could you have downloaded uh, a GPX route uh, file of the route? prior to doing the Fonda? Was that available? I did. You what did? Should, what should I, I did. What should have I done differently, are you saying? Well, normally, if you have the GPX file, you know, in your Wahoo, mm-hmm. when you flip, you know, like the map will show you the line of where you're going to go next. Right. But also the elevation profile will show you the whole elevation profile. Whereas if you don't have the GPX file, when you go to look at the elevation profile, you're at whatever elevation, you know, and and there's no future, only your past. Oh, no, I could see the problem, Patrick, was these climbs were so long that I couldn't see my future on the screen. Like, I could see... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I get it now. Okay, yeah. That, that, yeah. So had I at least looked, I would have known the last climb was five miles, right? Like, I would have known that. Instead of just being like, where is the end of this thing? Like, I, I couldn't get my screen small enough to see the, the final, where it peaked out. I could see, yeah. Anyway. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. Don't do that, people at home. If you care at all, do a little homework. Anyway, that that's, uh, <laughs> it's not really my pull. It's just, the, it's just the, 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 I just took a flyer off the front. Now I'm going to come back and, uh. And, and go into what I actually wanted to talk about this week. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> which is riding across the country. Have you ever done it? No. Have you ever wanted to do it? Mm. <laughs> yes and no. Okay. It, what What is yes and what's no? Just curious. Quickly. Um, uh, have you ever been to Nebraska? No. <laughs> or Western Tennessee. Nope. Uh, or Kansas. Huge chunks. <laughs> yeah. Big chunks of Kansas. Uh, not the Flint Hills, but the other bits. Right. The flat, the flat parts. There, there's, there are huge chunks of our country where the riding isn't nearly as exciting. I don't want to insult it or demean uh, it, yeah. but the riding is not as exciting as what happens, say, in the Sierra or right. the Rocky Mountains or even the coastal mountains of, you know, California, Oregon. Uh, and the idea of doing something for, say, a month, mm-hmm. but only about, you know, four or five days of it uh are really interesting in terms of terrain hmm. has been the thing that's kept me from going, no, I got to I got to tick that box. I got to get that done. But the, you know, just in terms of mythic journeys, right. Crossing right. the U S right. that is one of those things. And so I've never been able to completely relinquish it. Right. Right. I totally get that. It's, it's something that's always intrigued me. And I, and I, I really would love to do, I, I've always then I just don't know if I want to do it badly enough to do all the logistics. Like if I won the lottery mm-hmm. tomorrow, I would do it, right? I'd, I'd plunk down ten thousand dollars to trek and be like, carry my stuff. I'm going across the country. But 
otherwise, I got it takes some planning, right? Um, you know, maybe one day down the road, my daughter's out of the house and things are. Who knows? Who knows? But a story I saw over Labor Day, and it's interesting when you talk about like the journey, that mythical journey, sort of sparked it back. I saw this story over Labor Day um, about this Iraq War veteran named Sarah Lee who had just ridden, she had ridden nearly 4,300 miles because she started around Virginia Beach and ended up at the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Have you ever heard of Prevailing Winds? Or maybe yeah, that's a question right? for her. Well, yes, yes, right? I, that blew my mind Oof. in and of itself. Um, so, you know, I, somebody had, a, it's one of those, it's a small world thing. This guy, we used to call him Hippie Rob, who hung out at the shop all the time. He smelled like patchouli and was very, very hippie-ish. But um, <laughs> he, he ran into this woman at the, almost the end of her journey direct messages me. He's like, you've got to watch what happens here. And so I tuned in and I saw the news and the first words, no kidding, she's like standing on the beach. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. She's surrounded by other vets, like this motorcycle group of veterans had taken her across the bridge and they put the mic to her face and I'm going to break up. She's the first words out of her mouth was, I basically bought this bicycle rather than end my life. Like that's... Ooh. And she's crying, and I'm just like, and now I am like, every time I think of that and hear it, I choke up. Like, it was it was amazing to, like, just, those were the first, she just looked down at her bike and just uttered those, that was the first thing she said. And she, wow, it was really strong. She went on to talk about how she embarked, embarked on this journey, uh, basically, to fall in love with the country she had defended. Uh, you know, to connect. Oh, gosh. Right. To connect with the people that she had, like, felt isolated from. And she, you know, she I had called her I immediately, like after as soon as I could to get an interview. And, you know, she's like she'd she'd been in this vicious cycle for 12 years of trying to beat back all these demons only to end up right back at square one staring them in the face. Um, and I, I'm going to put a clip of the interview so people can read it because there's a lot of story there. Um, but anyway, it. The journey itself, I, I interviewed her for our podcast because I wanted to talk even more about the journey itself. Um, you know, mm-hmm. she's 34 years old. She hadn't ridden a bike since ninth grade. And she, yeah, so this was like her, <laughs> she went, she chose going east to west deliberately because she wanted it to be challenging. Um, and, you know, I don't think she totally appreciated it not being a quote unquote cyclist, just exactly how challenging that was going to be hitting the Appalachians and the Ozarks and the headwinds like mm-hmm. right out of the gate. Um, you know, she had some scary moments that, you know, if I were to do it alone, which I don't think I would because of these women all fear men seeming a bit menacing Trucks circling back and following too closely, you know, Ooh. having to sort of evade that those situations. Um, she uh-huh. got forced off the road in Colorado by an F three fifty and ended up hurting herself and it sort of way later for a bit. But 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 over the the over the course of the four to five months it took her to do it, her it was an overwhelmingly positive experience. And I have just a little clip here to tease into it that you know I'd like I think that it, just hearing her talk about. The positivity of it would be, you know, just let people hear it for themselves. Talk a little bit about about when you started to feel like this journey was fulfilling its purpose. I would say, um, I would say probably the 
through throughout it was happening a mm. lot of the views and having to earn them was huge the kindness and generosity that I experienced from East Coast to West Coast, there wasn't any one section of the country where people were nicer or more warm. It was consistent. Hmm. It, it really opened my eyes. And like I said, like we are, we are not as divided as we think we are. That was a huge, had been a huge bummer for me. Like this country that I love so much, this feels like everyone just hates each other or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it, it was a bummer. And so I was like, I'm going to go experience this country. That was another reason uh, to fall back in love with America, I guess. I, oh. I don't know. That's very nice. You get no, kind of bummed really, out. Like, I would really die sweet. for this country. Yeah. You know? And I, you come back I, and everyone's just yelling at each other like on said. Twitter, right? <laughs> like, it's just like, what's going on? <laughs> I, I spend so little time now on social media. I haven't turned the TV on once since I've been home. And I, while I like to be informed, a lot of that isn't informational. You know? Yeah, for sure. So, but, um, oh God, the kindness and generosity along the way and the warmth and w people, everyone was welcoming, you know, and um, you got to, you, you definitely get what you put into things. You get back what you put into things too. Um, you have to be warm also and open. Right. And right. That stuff just kind of falls into place. Like you, the right people start gravitating toward you. And so it was definitely the healing was happening along the way. Um, there was a little negativity there. And I think once that was out of the picture, that's when I would say like Western Utah, that's when things started really falling into place. Mm -hmm. And um, my, I just felt myself changing inside oh, like more rapidly. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I really am falling back in love with, with uh, the people in America and like, I feel this healing. I feel like I'm really honoring once I had this clear head. Um, it's like, I really am honoring my friends. I lost. Like, I really do feel like I'm, I'm doing them justice and if nothing else by living. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, she, she speaks so beautifully about, about how, um, how we're just not as disconnected and how we're all so much, we have so much more insane than we have different and how, You'll never see that going through your news feeds or your social media feeds, but you have to put yourself out there in the world to really get it, to really get how connected we actually all are. Um, and that is a long way of saying that it's kind of renewed my interest again in, in, in the trip and, and experiencing that it, from start to finish, mm -hmm. you know, coast to coast. Um, and I should also mention that, you know, she was very fearful of finishing this journey because she was afraid it would just be another vicious cycle, you know, that she would that just doing this really big thing and the depression would just take her into an even a darker place, which super mm -hmm. reasonable. I mean, talk about post-event, right? Depression yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so she she's she's actively pursuing and it's the, the, the pieces are all in motion now to put together a program called Waypoint Vets where she's going to uh, bring veterans in nature-based uh, outings like this, not obviously going across the country, but similar sort of situations and social activities just to sort of give back and to, uh, you know, tr just try to break this. You know, coming back to civilian life is really hard. And, uh, you know, she's like, veterans, helping veterans is really the only way. So anyway, that's uh, a lot about the journey there, but it was super moving. Wow. I, 
I, yeah, I didn't expect anything quite like that. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, I can say from my experience of having done tours that, yeah, putting yourself out there, that's when you really meet people. Yeah. I did a, I have done an extended tour. It was in the Rockies. I crossed the Continental Divide seven times. I figured, wait, why not create a tour where I do nothing but the interesting roads? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so 2,000 miles, seven crossings oh, of the wow. Continental Divide. That's a, that's uh, a long one. Yeah. I started, in, I started in Missoula, went up to Kalispell, into Glacier, back down through Missoula a second time, uh, into Wyoming, across Wyoming, down into Colorado, uh, then ultimately finished in Crested Butte and then spent a week in Crested Butte at Fat Tire Bike Week because this was the early 1990s and wow. back then that was still a thing. That's, a, that's and, awesome. You know, the, the, the real takeaways from that trip weren't the roads. It was the people I met. Mm-hmm. Says the guy who's an avowed introvert Dude, you doesn't say, much like people. Yeah, preaching to the choir there. Right. I get it. You know, and so for me to try to reach outside of myself and and allow people who, you know, were were open to talking to me or, you know, invited me to their table at, at dinner in a restaurant and, mm-hmm. you know, gave me all their French fries and bought an extra thing of uh, fried shrimp. Um, it's amazing how open and generous people can really be. I mean, but you when yeah. you open yourself up, I mean, it, this is all very, you know, whatever lessons, but it's true. It's true, and you can really experience that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really something. And there, you know, every couple of days there'd be somebody I'd I'd run across who would take a shine to me and you know open themselves up to me. And in turn, I had little choice but to open myself to them. Yep. yep. And it was it was a sort of a mir- miraculous experience every single time. But you know, I was a kid in graduate school. And, you know, wasn't there wasn't anything I was wrestling with. Right. I was just trying to meet some more of my country. Huh. I wasn't a vet who, you know, that's that's the ultimate battle. Are you going to stay or are you going to go? Yeah. 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 She's she's real well spoken. It's um, I'm just I'm very honored to have had a chance to to meet this person and talk to her. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, I can't wait to, to check out the full interview. So yeah, we, we both end that. up crying in the end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so. uh, little surprise. I, yeah, I bet yeah. there won't be any dry eyes in any of the houses. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, so what do you have for us? <laughs> on that bright note, <laughs> some weeks back, we had addressed depression on the show. Oh, and yeah. afterwards... One of our readers uh, had asked us if we would address the depression that can come from being off the bike due to injury. Mm. And then actually one of my neighbors chimed in, said, yeah, I'm battling an injury. And it was like, oh, that's why I haven't seen him on the bike lately. And my friend that we talked about a few weeks ago who, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. it's it's not easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it needs to be noted that this is a different phenomenon than the clinical depression that mm-hmm. can completely upend your life. But, you know, we've all missed a week of riding just from being sick, you know, some stupid virus. And, you know, without that riding, it really can mess with your head. 
So the first question is, you know, what is it that happens? Why is it you you get so out of sorts from missing, say, a week of riding or three months of riding? And so the question is, you know, what's not happening inside your head when you're mm-hmm. not on the bike? For the great majority of us, the big payoff is achieving a flow state. So in flow, our body releases dopamine, endorphins, norepinephrine, anandamide, and serotonin. Uh, when I was doing that piece uh, uh, for bicycling, um, the science of we, mm-hmm. one of the neuroscientists I was talking to put it to me, look, if we could package that in a pill, it would be the perfect antidepressant. Yep. They can't manage it. You know, science just isn't there. So for all of you out there who freak out when you can't ride, the problem is that you're not you're not getting your antidepressant. You're going cold turkey off of what is basically a medication for your head. That's what riding does. Hmm. And depending on the injury, you're probably going to lose a certain amount of fitness. You know, that much is difficult to avoid. But what is avoidable is the depression. The question, of course, before us, how do you do it? And for me, what I figured out more recently is the answer lies in chasing flow, not chasing activity. So being concerned with the, the lost fitness, that's not the fix. That's not what is making you depressed. Being mm-hmm. less fit uh, isn't what is making you sour. It's the lack of flow. And so Back in 2013, if I can use an example from my own life, I had 10 weeks off the bike due to an injury. Uh, I ended up playing a whole lot of Xbox during (laughs) that time. You know, a completely useless activity, but it offered me a challenge and an escape that washed away the rest of the day. And so after an hour of shooting monsters and spaceships, I was pretty invigorated. Mm. I was sort of refreshed. Mm -hmm. And I did a whole lot of bike work. Mm -hmm. Me with some music and a wrench in my hand can lead to hours of enjoyment. Mm -hmm. I should probably be embarrassed to admit that, but I I do sort of revel in it. Yeah. Yeah. By the time I got back on the bike, every one of my bikes was in perfect working (laughs) order. (laughs) So there was that. Um, But, you know, that's just a parallel. I'm not much of a chef or a baker, but, you know, time in the kitchen can really do it for many people. It's another way to achieve flow. I've got a buddy who's a beer maker, and he has brewed a great many tasty beverages, uh, and some of his best came when he was out with an injury. I'm sure sure drinking the beer helped pass the (laughs) weeks that he couldn't ride, though. Um, In my experience, going for a walk, even a brisk one, won't help much beyond burning some calories. Right. But hiking, if that's possible, Mm -hmm. especially on varied terrain, so that you must focus on where each foot falls, that can be a Mm -hmm. great diversion. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's turn the question around. You know, you, Celine, have had an injury or 14. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I know you have an allergy to the couch. Uh Um, What do you do when you're not able to ride? Well, you know, it's funny. I actually, um, I have, I have broken, I've broken things, um, but I have not, and and I, I want to knock on some wood here, but I, I have not been off the bike with an injury uh, for any substantial amount of time. I've cracked ribs. 
and mm-hmm. I've cracked a collarbone and, and all those things, like I've been able to be on a trainer or on the road pretty soon thereafter. Like I really wasn't off off of activity. You know, I, I, I was uh-huh. not able to not turn my pedals, you know, in some capacity with those things. In fact, the uh-huh. doctors encouraged that to keep me sane and to keep the blood flowing. So... You know, I've never, again, knock on wood, uh, sustained like a lower body injury that would keep you from pedaling, keep you off the bike, that kind of thing. You know, that's that's usually what you're looking at. Um, but to, to, you know, to answer your question, when I've had some stuff flare up here or there or, or whatever, I one of the nice things about having a lot of things that you do, whether it be swimming or trail running or whatever, is usually you can do something. So uh, yep. I, I've been in the pool and, and swimming... Though it doesn't really satisfy me the same way, probably because I can't really go hard enough. I'm not just good enough at it. Um, it is the same sort of Zen meditative kind of activity, you know, that that you can get what you're looking for doing it. Um, I agree with you. Like anything I can do on the trail, if I can trail run or just take the dog out and just get my you know heart rate up and get out there, that that satisfies it too. But you definitely, for me, it has to be. You know, it's funny, people, when you talk about the Xbox, that's real. Like, that, those, the Xbox stuff, that triggers the same receptors you're talking about, the reward receptors yep. in your head. It's not a surprise that that is satisfying. It's not a surprise that it's addictive, like exercise, right? It's That that makes yep. 100% sense to me. Um, and the, the hence Zwift is doubly addictive for some people. For for all these reasons, right? Strava, all this stuff. So um, I would agree with you that that anybody who finds themselves in that situation, I mean, you do, we all stress about the fitness, but the most important thing is taking care of your head. The fitness will come back, and you know that, and your head knows that somewhere. You have to yep. uh, take care of your head. And, and sometimes it can be equally rewarding just to get all that, like you talked about your bikes. I mean, that's what my friend Mike is doing right now. He's in the, he's down with music in his bike shop all the time, just tinkering on stuff. Like, because you can stand by back and look at what you've done, what you've accomplished, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. something that a lot of us don't have a chance to do when we're riding all the time, you know, like we don't, we don't have that. So taking that time to actually do all those things on your to-do list could make you really happy. And then, make you feel like when you are, you know, when it is time to ride again, then all that stuff is done, you know, and, and there yep. goes the cycle of life. So, yeah, um, it's, you know, it's real. It's hard. And I, th- I think the, f- the hardest part is sort of like after after the initial injury sinks in and, you know, I mean, there's always that period where you're like, oh, it'll be OK, and blah, blah, blah. And, blah, blah, blah. and then like maybe three or four days later, like, OK, this is going to be a while. And this is right. And it, it kind of all sinks in. That's when you need to make some goals for yourself that are going to take care of yeah. your mental state. Yeah. You know, the one other thing I should share, because it is a mistake I've made, is Friday night rolls around. You know you're not going to be out for the big group ride Saturday morning. And you're having dinner. And then you get out a cookie <laughs> and you pour a third glass of wine. That's that's the part that doesn't really help. That's the part that for me ate at me later on when mm-hmm. I did get back on the bike. It's like uh, four pounds. I didn't need four pounds. You know, I, I could have restrained myself. But you're thinking, As, oh, what the hell? It's yeah. not going to make any difference tomorrow morning. I'm not on the bike. And 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 though that cookie and that wine is also triggering 
that's those same receptors that you're talking about. And that's your brain's way of saying, I really need these things to be lit up and I'm going to have you light them up any which way I can. I mean, I, yes. I, I'm very sympathetic to people fighting their brain chemistry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real, you know, it's, it's a yeah. real thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, cool. Thanks. Um, yeah. It's nice to get a little confirmation. Um, and hopefully this will help some of our listeners. Um, and I, I was going to save this for the end of the program, but you know, something we haven't done enough of, and I want to do more of is, uh, open us up for questions. Oh, sure. So, yeah. you know, feel free to comment at RKP or on our Facebook page. Uh, yeah. If there's stuff you want us to cover, uh, bring it on. By all means. We're, we're open to other, other ideas and, and covering stuff that may not have occurred to us. So. Sure. What do you say? Paceline picks? Sure. You know, and I think we should just keep this really lighthearted, <laughs> this really lighthearted show going on <laughs> with my, <laughs> with my, uh, yeah, uh -oh. whatever. Um, I have to, I have to make it this week. My pick is uh, Rebecca Russia and Red Bull Media House's amazing documentary, Blood Road. Um, it won a we freaking- We have talked about the yes. Emmy. You have talked about this, yeah. I mean, I'm we sure. have no. We've talked about the the documentary, but now we have a fresh reason to talk about the documentary all over again. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a pick. She it, it won an Emmy, which is amazing. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Like when I was uh, helping her write her book, Rush to Glory, it ends with that. She's she's talking. You know, she was talking about like this is the the big thing. You know, she was a little tired of chasing podiums. She's 50 now, you know, like, like, where does a, a professional athlete go and, you know, how many podiums can you chase? And, and, and she, this was like this really big unresolved place in her life. And she has this mm -hmm. lifetime of endurance. She can ride a thousand miles, um, you know, so yep. she, she just was like hatching this plan to do the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And I don't know if she knew the enormity of it when she was talking about it. I, I don't. I don't think she did, uh, you know, because Red Bull hadn't come on full bore at that time. But um, have you have you seen it? I'm sorry if you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I, yeah. I, man, like I learned I didn't ex I, I didn't expect to learn anything. I, you know, I mean, I thought I knew a lot about the Vietnam War and its aftermath. But seeing those images and those pictures of all the craters that exist and seeing the people and seeing uh, all the ordinances and just the whole, you know, having her talking to the Vietnamese woman that she rides with and sharing their stories, I was just blown away. I mean, again, talk about not a dry eye in the house. I mean, there ends up being not a dry eye in the house, but you learn, you learn a lot. And I think you walk away from it as any documentary should, should leave you a little changed and wanting to make a change. So I think yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, Watching it in the wake of the fires here, I had a very different feeling for the Vietnamese people and wow. mm -hmm. what they've lived with since the war. Yeah, it's amazing. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, maybe you have something lighter to pass <laughs> your pick. Yeah. I, I'm finally going to pull us out of the dive. Okay. Um, so, yes, on a much lighter note, um, Continental Tires recently went through a redesign on some of their mountain bike tires. Hmm. I've been a fan of both the Mountain King and the Cross King yep. and previously reviewed both tires on RKP. 
With the new tires, I mounted the Cross King for a little faster rolling in the rear, and I mounted the Mountain King, which is a little more aggressive tire, up front. Both tires, 29 by 2.3. Both tires have been redesigned from the ground up, uh, which is kind of a big thing. Once you've got a reasonably wow. successful tire, people don't go back in and go, no, 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 no. That's all wrong. We, we've sold half a million of them. That's got to stop. <laughs> so now the, on the Cross King, the knobs are a little closer together in the center, giving it more of a, a central rolling ridge. Um, while on the Mountain King, the design is now blockier and asymmetric. Uh, they still use Conti's black chili compound and enjoy a modified race flags sidewall uh, to help with the sidewall abrasion. Um, they've got this layer called Protection, capital P, capital T, uh, that's now made from Cordura. It's a different metal, uh, material from what it was in the past, giving it, uh, allegedly, even greater puncture resistance. Hmm. Um, I can't attest to that because I haven't flatted these, but then I didn't even flat the previous ones. Right, right. So, very puncture resistance. Um, and, but one of the other things they, they say is that these tires now seat more easily and achieve an airtight seal more readily. And I can tell you that much is no joke. I've set up tubeless tires more quickly. Uh, I've never set up tubeless mm-hmm. tires more quickly than I did with these. I, I put in the sealant, I pumped them up, and boom, they were done. It was amazing. I mean, I rode them the day after I set them up, and that's literally the first time that's ever happened. Wow. I've always had to worry yeah, with yeah. tubeless tires some, uh, you know, shaking them more, pumping them up more, and these were perfectly ready the next morning. It's like, oh, okay. Um, the best part for me is that they're great on everything from hard pack to loamy soil. These things grip like a cat on carpet, and it... So much so that they actually changed my opinion on a bike for the better. Huh. Uh, the I've been working on this review of a, of a Canyon and the cross-country-oriented tires. Um, I just, I didn't think the bike handled that well. And it's because yeah. I was always so tenuous because it was so ready to wash out and turn mm-hmm. because the, the blocks were so small. Um, so the Cross King is available 2.2. 2.3 and 2.6 inch widths. The Mountain King comes in 2.3 and 2.6. And amazingly, I guess it's because they're German, they're made in 26, wow. 27 and a half, and 29 inch diameters. That's a bunch of skews. Wow. Yeah. That is. I didn't think, wow. Yeah, you know, I, I just not much to add to that, except I, I think still to this day, I, I know still to this day, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the majority of riders don't appreciate the difference tires can make to a bike. I, they just like, it is like riding a new bike in many ways. You know, tires and then, I mean, forget wheels. Nobody really gets it. But, but it makes a huge, 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 huge difference. And there's so yeah. many of them out there. You know, like it's just. Yeah, it can it can make an enormous dif- a difference. Uh, it that's true on gravel bikes. Yep. Uh, it's especially true on mountain bikes. Yeah. It's true on road bikes. I mean, it, you it know, can be. I, it, yeah, it's a little harder not, to find those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yep. I get it. I still. But yeah, it still happens there as well. I still don't ride uh, tubeless on the road. Is that weird? Nope. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> nope. I just I, I just haven't done it, and I 
I'd like to. I, I, I tried it 10 years ago, which is an eternity, right? And the, the things mm-hmm. delaminated. They came apart. Like, it just didn't, like, it, the technology I don't think was there yet. Um, but I, I mean, I flat sometimes on the road, but I just, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, do you run tubeless on the road? No. No. Okay. No. Okay. Then I don't, I don't feel quite as, sometimes I'm like, okay, I run them everywhere else, literally, but I just have not made that, that effort. For me, the higher pressure has continued to be a problem. They're just always losing pressure. I can't get them uh, to to stay completely sealed, hmm. no matter which sealant I yeah, use it, yeah. no matter how I tape them. I can't get them to stay sealed up enough uh, to be good for a six-hour ride. It's funny you say that because I have the only thing I have them on that's at all road-centric is this e-bike that I've been long-term testing, and I cannot keep the back tire sealed to save my soul. Like, it just keeps... it's. I, I, and so I've just been lazy. I haven't even put a tube in it. I just pump it up because my, my my trips are so short on it that I just like pump it up to like 100 <laughs> and I just run what I have to do. And then I let it go flat in the garage and I pump it up again. But I've been having the same trouble with that. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the funny thing is, like, when it comes to gravel, you know, I, I'm. I don't want to ride it unless it's tubes. Oh, I wouldn't do anything else. I did my first dirty cans <laughs> on tubes. And oh, my Lord, what a mess that was. Um, Oof. Yeah, because you just—I mean—you're going to pinch flat. You are going to flat one way or another. I mean, it's just a matter of how or when. Um, yeah. yeah, you know. And once you do, it's just like there goes like chances of it happening again are even higher. But um, yeah, I did only flat once, I must say. But I, Rebecca's the first RPI I did. I double flatted the first time we hit the dirt. I'm like, here we go. That's, that starts my day oh. off. Yeah. So I, yeah, I would, I would never like gravel. Forget it. And mountain, I mean, there's just yeah. places like, how did we ride tubes all those years on mountain bike races? I hadn't pumped up to 40. That's how. Yeah. And I yeah. just pinballed my way down the trail. So <laughs> come a long way. Come a long way. <laughs> yeah. I keep telling people mountain biking now is a different sport. It's a totally uh, different sport. I'm so yeah. glad I'm still alive. Every time I think about what I rode and the places I rode it, my little 26 yeah. inch bike, hardtail, High bottom bracket, yeah. like I was an endo machine, endo and flat machine, just cartwheeling down the hills of Canaan, West Virginia. I don't know. It's just amazing. But still here. Right. And that's, yeah, that's one of those Rudy places where a 26 inch wheel would rather stop than keep rolling. Yes. Yes. Or unless you're just in full cartwheel mode and then you're just like a tumbleweed and you get down just as fast, perhaps. But I don't know. <laughs> Well, I think that's a wrap for this episode of The Pace Line. <laughs> uh, what are you doing this weekend? What am I doing? Oh, we have friends getting married this weekend. So, um, Oh, excellent. Yeah. After last week was a really big week with that big Fondo and stuff. And um, you and I both have big Fondos coming up next weekend. Um, yes. Un- yeah. Unpaved is, is next weekend. That's 120 miles. And then I have Iron Cross after that. So playing it kind of low-key this week and this weekend and before all that all ramps up again yourself yeah uh, i've got a lot of plans still to little finishing touches for for our event oh i'm sure uh the rendezvous um yeah i decided to make a change on some of the catering so some of the food's gonna be a little cooler than i expected uh I, i'd always wanted it to be cool but i'm keeping that under my hat for okay. now hoping wow. to surprise some people sweet um yeah, and uh, I've been dropping by the trail house to sample beers to try and narrow down the choices of some of the things that I want to be serving. There's 
such an embarrassment of riches of great beers in this town. I figure if people are going to come, I got to serve local beers. Right so on. Yeah. That'll I, be, I believe that. That'll be yeah. fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. Uh, unfortunately, we're missing this week uh, due to none of the three interviews I was working on actually panning out time-wise. So we'll be back next week. Finally, if you would, please leave us good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.